Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, on Nintendo GameCube. In all of my episodes so far, from discussing the NES to the GameCube, I've talked about a lot of famous franchises, Castlevania, Mega Man, Contra, and others. But I've never talked about a Mario Brothers game before. Today, I'm going to change that. Our subject is 2004's Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. I will admit I am the worst player of platformer games, which is a problem because when I first got the NES, it came with a copy of Super Mario Bros. bundled with it. Try as I might, I could never control Mario's sprite well enough to make it past the first castle. I've literally never gotten past Bowser in World 1-4 of Super Mario Bros. Does that destroy my gamer credit? If it does, I couldn't give a shit. It's not that I don't know the lore of the franchise over the past 35 plus years or played the numerous sequels. Many famous console platformers since Super Mario Bros. are based on the successful formula the Little Plumber put forth. I am terrible at those, too, and I have given up on most of them. My wife, who loves platformers and is very good at them, just cannot understand how I have played so many other games to completion, but not these ones. I have the same question. What makes it worse is that I just don't find platformers fun, unless the premise behind the game is really speaking to me. An ethnic stereotype leaping on turtles and mushrooms with googly eyes stapled to them just doesn't do it for me. Thankfully, there are other types of video games, or I might have quit the hobby then and there. So what drew me to Thousand Year Door? I believe the answer to that lies in the fact that, over the last 35 years, the concept behind the character of Mario has expanded far beyond the scope of the original design. Mario, as a character, is mutable. He is more than just a one-shot mascot. He can be a superhero, an astronaut, an animal tamer, a Formula Run race car driver, a proctologist, and somehow it all just fits. Timelines of games don't matter because we can just accept that, yep, it's just Mario being Mario. The princess gets captured, moved to other castles, sometimes his brother gets involved, sometimes his worst enemies are his greatest allies, and it just works. It can only work if the character is stretching flexible enough in concept to be whatever the designers want it to be and, of course, what we, the public, will accept. So, of course, Mario as the main character of a role-playing game would do just fine. It's just Mario being Mario, this time with the player having to manage hit points, stat increases, and changes of plus-five underwear. It has been proven as a concept on the SNES. The Paper Mario games also add the dimensions of being cartoonish two-dimensional characters, chubby and round and silly, utterly harmless comfort games. And as the central conceit of these games is a world of paper people, Mario can literally fold himself to any shape he wishes, well, at least within the limits of game design and the developer intent, and manipulate his world, which allows for even more slapstick and moments where the player can feel clever. Now, while the adults in the room can see the puzzle solutions in the game coming a thousand yards off, the kids can ooh and ah and be filled, for a moment, with wonder. In this game, we find Mario doing just his thing when he receives a letter from Princess Peach to go to a place called Rogueport, under which has been found the fabled Thousand-Year Door. A treasure is a historic artifact, but also the promise of even greater treasures lay beyond it. But before Mario can join up with Peach as she's requested, she's captured by a group called the X-Nauts, who may be aliens or something, but are the most definitely morons, the kind of one-dimensional, mustache-twirling villains 
one would exactly expect to find in a game like this. All that is missing is the train track to tie Peach to while they cackle. To help retrieve Peach from their clutches, Mario must collect the seven crystal stars in order to unlock the thousand-year door and grant the treasure to the Exnauts. The problem is, the door is really a prison cell for the Shadow Queen, who nearly ended the world in ancient times, and the Exnauts plan to use Peach as a vessel for the new incarnation of the Shadow Queen. Golly, I wonder how this one will end. Thousand-Year Door really does not break any new ground as an RPG. Mario goes through several highly themed and niche lands, collects a new team member with unique skills for traversing the environment in each area, has a Pratt Faller 3, Rinse and Repeat. I must admit that among his companions, the body Cloud Lady, the sweet but derpy Shadow Girl, and the neurotic self-doubting Koopa are my favorites. A lot of the tutorials can be insufferable in their simplicity and repetition, but they were designed for someone young and new to the role-playing game genre, and their mechanics, not cranky old gamers who have done this one too many times. But it offers genuine lightheartedness in a paper-thin world, and gorgeous visuals with some really stand-up moments of fun, such as the boss battle against the Thwomp that unfolds as a quiz show, or the late-game screen-filling bosses who much squeeze into the shape of the game's battle arena, which is shaped like a middle school theater hall where the players and the characters and the enemies are lined up in a single file to act out the tiny drama. Speaking of that setup, every battle takes place in this Punch and Judy sock puppet theater out of time and space, which slowly fills with more and more patrons as the game goes on, cheering as Mario and his companions do better, to the point of tossing minor items onto the stage to help, or having his adversaries in the audience try and disrupt Mario's potential victory. It is a quite fun little mechanic, and I feel a few other non-traditional RPGs could stand to add this audience participation mechanic of some type. Thousand Year Door was lauded by critics for its clever use of its design aesthetic as part of the game mechanics, and for just being a game with a pure sense of joy. There are points on which I agree, and I don't often agree with critics. Thousand Year Door is just distilled joy something that can easily bring a smile to your face and is just comfortable to experience. It can allow someone like myself who sucks at Mario platform games to enjoy the larger Mario universe and a body of work without frustration. But for many reasons, fans of the series feel Thousand Year Door was also the last good Paper Mario game, as later games changed many mechanics or moved into a more action-adventure theme and away from the RPG light elements, as well as the fun that Door showcased. In that instance, I do not know if this is true. Dora was my one and only foray into the Paper Mario setting. I suppose I'm lucky to have gotten to experience one of the best in the series at the right time in Nintendo's business cycle. Like their creation Mario, Nintendo will be Nintendo, and they tend to make short-sighted decisions and disregard timelines in favor of immediate financial gain. Paper Mario, The Thousand-Year Door, is just a one-of-a-kind game that should be experienced at least once, even if you are not a fan of RPGs or Mario in general. There's a little something here for everyone to have a good time with, and for a little while. And that's all we can really ask of games. Just give the player something to enjoy for a little while, and allow them to lay down the burdens and responsibilities of real life. An 8-bit mustachioid plumber from Brooklyn by way of Tokyo has been mutable enough to be able to do that for all of us. For a little while, anyway. Thank you for listening.